to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Throughout this episode, I would like to describe some examples regarding sort of the action and reaction that takes place with what's been happening around our country uh, within American K-12 schools, because there is a lot of action. And the action, of course, is being driven by us. It's being driven by the patriots and, and the people who are actually in control, not the school boards or government or whatever. It's actually us. And then at the exact same time, it's the school boards that are reacting a particular way or citizens in the, in the, in the surrounding area reacting a particular way or what have you. And one of those particular examples, of course, most recently, at least in, in my general circle here, stems from what I said a couple of months ago in the school board meeting regarding the jabs and how deadly they are and how they better not think about mandating these jabs or else. And that those who have taken the jabs, well, you'd better buckle up because as we can see now, and as we could see back then and even far before then, countless individuals are falling ill and now dying. And what do you know it? They're double jabbed and everybody's wondering why. We had Colin Powell the other day, allegedly. Um, I just saw a, another thing too. It was uh, some roadies for the band Kiss. Same exact thing. Uh, one of the one of their roadies was double jabbed. Well, now he's dead. And I think it was the member, a uh, couple of the band members in Kiss, whether it be Gene Simmons or whoever. You know, they were basically just making fun of the unjabbed and saying this is all because of us. It's all our fault. That's that's the disconnect. And that's the, that's the illogical action-reaction that's taking place. The action is the lack of information that you received or sought out on your own, and then, of course, your own actions of getting jabbed. And then the reaction, of course, is a chemical reaction where the individuals who have been double-jabbed are dying. And now the action or reaction to that action or reaction turns into this, well, it's, it must be the unjabbed. They're, they're to blame. And it just rolls on and on and on and on. One of the examples, of course, too, has to do with, again, my comments that I made a couple of months ago in a school board meeting that, again, were medically factual. These were not the facts that doctors were sharing with their patients because they weren't providing informed consent. The fact that they don't have that information or didn't look it up or didn't read it and didn't share it with their patients is going to be their legal problem in the future, not mine. It's going to be their professional problem in the future, not mine. Um, and it's going to be their personal problem and avalanche in the future, not mine. But one of the other avenues where you can really see this disconnect and this action-reaction, and you'll actually find the truth, has to do with comment sections within particular videos or, again, particular streams that people will put out. Because a lot of people will just watch a, a little clip of the video, but they won't read what people are thinking about what they just watched which again is one of the revealing parts about the comment section. So for example, if you look up my name on YouTube and you type it you type it in, there will be three options that pop below in the search box. One of them is my first name, one of them is my first name in the town, and then the other one says my first name, last name, PhD, and then I believe the town. In either way, in either case, one of the individuals, he's a TikTok doctor or a YouTube doctor or claims to be a doctor. I don't know who he is, but he's certainly paid opposition. And 
he has a video out there where he doesn't play my entire clip, nor does he go after the individual medical facts. He just attacks my degrees and makes fun of my degrees and then claims that I'm misleading people about my degrees. Again, I'm not making this about me per se. My larger point is this. My recommendation is you look up his video and you read the comments below the video because the comments below that video are telling. I would say 98 to 99% of all of the comments, if not more than that, I should say, are in my favor, so to speak. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that to brag. That's not, that's not my point here. My point is, is that that right there shows the blatant disconnect, is that someone will watch that video and not see that it's been tampered with and that it's only, f whatever, 30 seconds long or something of me saying who I am and then not a single thing that I mention, medically speaking, is, is actually attacked. In fact, the comments are supporting everything that I said. And there are people in the comments who link my exact talk to the school board um, in their comments, which is fantastic because, again, more people can watch it and, and see it. Here's the interesting part, and I've also mentioned this too. The school boards that heard that, in particular the school board I was speaking to, and endless other school boards who may have reacted to it or endless other administrators who may have seen it and reacted to it, the line has been crossed now. So they cannot go back on their own policies that they have put in place because the lie has already been pushed down the hill. There's no stopping that avalanche now. And reversing all of their policies at this point would expose them for being the frauds that they are. Now, they're already exposed for being frauds, and we know this. And there are countless examples of where that's clearly been the case. If they were to rescind any of these policies now, it would show that, well, what's changed? What, I mean, what exactly has changed? They already can't see the fact that some schools are doing this and some are not. Some states are implementing this and some are not. They're also not making any connections between why some states have completely done away with all of these mask and jab measures, and some have not. They still aren't figuring that out. They're ruling through control because power is all they're interested in. And I'm going to prove it right now. The very school board, the Talawanda City School District, again, has notor is notorious for being one of the worst school districts in Southwest Ohio. They're awful. They've always been awful. I graduated from this school district. It was a complete embarrassment when I went there. It's an embarrassment now, and it continues to be so. In fact, it is worse today than it's ever been because they continue to engage in all of the playground Marxist degenerate uh, methods that exist in American K-12 education, whether it be the social-emotional learning garbage, whether it be every student needs a counselor and every student has to talk with a counselor method, whether it's increased special education where it doesn't need to exist, and of course, what they, are, what, what they have done now is they are continuing to quarantine students and isolate students and segregate students. Now, there's a particular video bouncing around that I've seen that I'm not going to play, 
and I'm not going to stick it up on my gab, but I have seen it and I do have it. And it's of a Talawanda student being tossed into a quarantine within their building and being locked inside of one of these rooms. And he wasn't allowed to come out. Now, I don't know the details around it other than what he said on his cell phone, which was very clear. And it was basically, he was tossed in there because he said he had a headache. And he walks up to the door and he jiggles the handle on the door and the door is locked. I have, no, I have no reason to believe that this student is making any of that up. But what I can tell you is that the very actions of that very thing taking place, again, would have cost anyone their job in the past. But they actually believe that this is the way in which you quote-unquote keep somebody safe from something that is hardly contagious and not a problem at all and remarkably survivable. Not to mention, if you're jabbed, what are you so worried about? There's no thinking taking place here. I know that a lot of this sounds remarkably repetitive, but I wanted to highlight something even more specific with this school district because, again, it's not unique, and it isn't one of those things that only this school district is doing. One of the things that they have done now, in particular in relation to the more facts that are pouring out and how their lie is being eroded with every passing second of every passing day, not to mention the comments that I made at the board meeting a couple of months ago, is they've now changed the rules when it comes to public participation in their board meetings. So I'm going to read through these and the revisions will be highlighted as well. First of all, it says, quote, the presiding officer shall be guided by the following rules. And then it says A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. And then there's a number of rules under J. So A, it says, quote, the public participation shall be permitted only as indicated on the order of business or at the discretion of the presiding officer. So public participation is now ruled by the president of the school board. It can exist or it can't. It's up to them. Then it says rule B, apparently. Anyone having a legitimate interest in the actions of the board, district employees, students, resident, locally elected official, or local business owners may participate during the designated public participation portions of a meeting. It says... Section C here, attendees must register their intention to participate in the public participation portion of the meeting upon their arrival at the meeting. That's a brand new thing also. Section B that I just read was brand new. Section C, totally brand new, completely revised. Now, of course, you have to tell them in advance who you are and that you, and that you want to speak at the meeting, which means what? It means that they can revise whether or not they want you to speak or not. They ultimately have the decision, so they're limiting your ability to speak in these meetings. If they see your name and they don't like it, or they see your message and they don't like it beforehand, then that's it. Section D, it says individuals may not register others to speak during public participation. So this business that you'll hear uh, in particular in school board meetings of an individual showing up and then saying that they are representing countless other individuals who work there, they're not allowing that to happen. At least that's my interpretation, but I understand the individuals may not register another to speak, so I don't know. It's uh, 
it gets a little hairy only because a lot of this is open to interpretation while some of it is pretty concrete. Section E, it says participants must recognize, must be recognized by the presiding officer and must preface their comments by an announcement of their name and district residency. That's not new. Section F, it says each statement made by a participant shall be limited to three minutes duration. That's not new either, although they don't even stick to their own rule regarding that. Section G, it says during the portion of the meeting designated for public participation, no participant may speak more than once on the same topic unless all others who wish to speak on that topic have been heard. Section H says all statements shall be directed to the presiding officer. No person may address or question board members individually, which is absolutely ridiculous because they're all up there and people want to say particular things to particular individuals up there. But again, it's it's just beyond ridiculous. Um, section I, again, this isn't new. Audio or video recordings are permitted. The person operating the recorder shall contact the superintendent prior to the board meeting and must agree to the placement of the equipment and to abide by the following conditions. One, no obstructions are created between the board and the audience. Two, no interviews are conducted in the meeting in the meeting room while the board is in session. And three, no commentary adjustment of equipment or positioning of operators is made that would distract either the board or members of the audience while the board is in session and not disrupt the meeting. Here's the juicy part. The juicy part is section J. And this first one has everything to do with me and my comments that I made. Now here's the problem, and I'm going to break this down as soon as I'm done reading it. There are seven sections to this, and they've struck in at least two of these sections completely. They've just deleted them, so they're basically saying, we aren't doing these two things anymore. The first one, however, is brand new, and it says this, quote, one, interpret, the, the presiding officer may interrupt, warn, or terminate a participant's session when they make comments that are repetitive, obscene, and or comments that constitute a true threat, i.e., statements meant to frighten or intimidate one, or more specified persons into believing that they will be seriously harmed by the speaker or someone acting at the speaker's behest. Now here's the deal. That's unquote, by the way. Statements meant to frighten or intimidate one. Telling people medical facts is not meant to frighten or intimidate anybody. If you don't know what those medical facts are, your ignorance is not an excuse to make a bad policy. Your ignorance is not an excuse to limit someone's free speech in order to tell someone the truth in order to save a life. That's how they're interpreting this. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, that American K-12 schools, in particular this one, are not interested in the health and well-being of the individuals who either work there, attend there, i.e. minors. They don't want the individuals in the area, surrounding area, community, if you want to use that word, commune. They don't want, they don't want the people around there to know the facts. That's what they're saying. 
in particular when it comes again to the health and well-being of the people who attend, or the people who may be listening. This is an education board, allegedly. They're not, because they're not literate. And they don't read the directions on the side of the box that the masks come in, which clearly state that it does not do anything. These are fear mongers. These are communists. These are power crazy monsters. These are the people running the show. But what they don't know is, is that parents are running the show. And if every single parent, again, walked out of these environments now and permanently, the entire school would fold. All of their policies would change. So showing up to these board meetings and yelling at them to change isn't going to change anything. It's just not. I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry to break it to people and I've said it before. I don't think that that's I don't think that's the way moving forward here. I think you need to walk out of these buildings permanently. I understand that's a little more difficult for some than others. It's easier said than done for for some more than others. But the fact is, is the house of cards is on fire and you're standing on the inside and you're yelling at it to stop. Stop being on fire. Stop crumbling toward the top of my head. Let them crumble. How many laws have they broken? How many child abuse laws or policies have they now broken? How many child abuse mandates have they now made to try to normalize child abuse? They're child abusers. They're going to go down in history, in the history books as being child abusers. History is not going to be kind to these people, nor should it. It should never be kind to child abusers, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be kind to them. So I don't know what else to say, but what they've done here is they've clearly made it policy that if a person feels threatened or feels scared, that a feeling is now a fact. I'm sorry. Feelings are not facts. They never have been and they never will be. An individual should attend a school board meeting and tell people the facts about what's going on and what's going to happen to the jabbed. Again, this is going to back up on them. This is going to back up on them in a way that they cannot possibly imagine. It's going to back up on them financially in the future, and it's going to back up on them because they're not going to be around. They've wiped out 50% of their immune systems if they've been jabbed. They're not going to be around. They're having a hard time even grasping that. I can say that at the top of my lungs on this podcast as often as I want. The fact is, is that their cognitive dissonance is so thick that they aren't even going to be able to grasp, grasp the fact that they've wiped out their entire life because they walked right into the slaughterhouse and started taking jabs for which they themselves can't even say what's in it. I know what's in it. Their own doctor doesn't know what's in it. And they don't know what's in it. And again, it's the old meme that is bouncing around and has been bouncing around for quite some time. Would you take a drink from a bartender who didn't tell you what was in it, who made it behind closed doors, and makes a ton of money for just offering it to you, let alone getting you to drink it? Would you actually drink that? Apparently, some people would. I mean, it's astounding. So their their little draconian rules continue here. The second one, which they've completely wiped out, 
says interpret, warn, or terminate a participant's statement when the statement is too lengthy, abusive, off-topic, obscene, or irrelevant. So they're basically getting rid of that one because they've already said that they're allowed to do that in the previous one. Number three, it says request any individual to stop speaking and or leave the meeting when that person does not observe reasonable decorum or is disruptive to the conduct of the meeting. People have done that in the past, and now they're basically just saying they get to continue to warn them to stop speaking if they want. Rule four, or point four, it says request the assistance of law enforcement officers in the removal of a disorderly person when that person's conduct interferes with the orderly process of the meeting. Again, that's not new, and that's not a new point that they're making. Um, point five, call for a recess or an adjournment of other time when the lack of public decorum is in, uh, so interferes with the orderly conduct of the meeting as to warrant such action. Point six, waive these rules. And then point seven, which they've deleted, uh, did say the portion of the meeting during which the participation of the public is invited shall be limited to 30 minutes unless extended by a vote of the board. So apparently it's not limited to 30 minutes anymore. Um, but it does say this at the bottom it says the portion during which the participation of the public is invited shall be, shall be no more than 30 minutes unless extended by the presiding officer. So all of the public comments are basically uh, 30 minutes in total. Finally says this, quote, The board may permit individuals to attend meetings remotely through live broadcast. However, public participation will be limited to those who are in attendance at the meeting site only. The board is not responsible for any technology failures that prevent or disrupt any individual from attending remotely. So here's the thing. They've also now said, when it comes to public participation, we may just have it online instead of in person. And if we have it online and all of a sudden the plug gets pulled, well, that's not going to be our fault. And we're not going to accept responsibility if the technology doesn't work, in particular during the public participation part. You see what they're doing here? This is exactly what Marxists do. They don't want you to be a part of anything. They want you to be as miserable as they are. Because they're all miserable human beings. See, that's the thread that runs through the Marxist ideology. We're garbage. We don't have senses of humor. We aren't smart people. We're terrible humans. We're completely godless. We're totally immoral. And we want you to be just like us. See, we hate everything, and we want you to hate what we hate. We don't know how to have a good time, really. So we want you to have as miserable a time as we're having. That's it. That's their entire approach. And the best part is, is they actually think they're going to win. They think that all of these policies and continuing to push this abusive snowball down the hill is going to turn into a gorgeous snowman at the bottom of the hill. I assure you, it will not. I don't even have to get involved. I don't even have to do anything. The school boards that have done this throughout America are destroying themselves, and they're so stupid that they don't even know it. That's the best part. They don't know what's coming. We know what's coming, but they can't figure it out yet. And I'm not even going to tell them, because I'm just going to let the whole thing crash. And when it does, it's going to be glorious. So, with that said, a couple other things here. First of all, you may or may not have heard, 
but countless California teachers walked out of their schools yesterday, or two days ago, on Monday, I should say. And um, it was absolutely fantastic, and I, and I totally support those things. What I also would support and support more is them not returning. I would support that. You can walk up to the state house all you want. You can throw all the signs around all you want. You can march around all you want. How about you just not go back and let the whole thing burn to the ground? Don't go back. Stop going back. Because again, I'm going to mention this story because I brought this up earlier. Remember the female student who walked into her school and said, I'm here to learn. And I kind of criticized that entire thing. And a lot of people were like, good for her. She's a hero. She's a modern-day Rosa Parks. I even heard that. And I thought, ugh, the poor history of Rosa Parks. They don't even know that. And I can't believe I have to actually go over that again briefly. But Rosa Parks was a communist. She was a communist sympathizer and a socialist. And she was a CIA operative. That entire picture of her sitting in the bus was a photo op that was purposefully set up. If you don't know that, I'm sorry, but you just learned something. And again, in the in the you know in the words of Voltaire, the history is simply a group of men who gather in a dark room and agree on a lie. That's that's what it is. So when people even pick up a particular book and they start reading it, and it's a quote unquote history book, you've got to take everything with a grain of salt, and you're going to have to read more than one book. I mean, you can read the Bible; that works. A lot of truth in there. Don't have to go and read another Bible to figure out the truth in that book. But the fact is, is that when it comes to American history or world history, you've got to read a little bit more than just one. And you'd better believe more than just one picture. So again, when it comes to that female student who attended that school and walked in and didn't want to wear a mask recently and was handcuffed because she wanted to go into school without a mask while everybody else was being a masked up slave and she didn't want to be. And then, of course... She was in a in a in a meeting with the administrator and someone else and her dad and her dad's laying into him about this, that, and the other. Where is that student now? Where are they? Did they go back to class? Did they did they actually decide to serve their suspension that the school uh imposed on them because they because they didn't want to wear a mask and they wouldn't leave the property? Did they go back to the school only to wear the mask and sit down like a, like the rest of the slaves wearing a mask, doing what they're doing? See, these are the follow-ups to these stories that aren't done. These are the questions that aren't asked after the story takes place, which is why when the story actually happens and occurs, I always question it and doubt it. And I say to myself, well, you know what? That's neat except for the fact that homeschooling families and homeschooling children are laughing at countless students. They're laughing at them. That's where the real divide is now. The dividing line is between the intellect of the, of the families that are homeschooling and the children that are homeschooling and the ones that are not. And again, that's not my divisive line, so don't you know? Don't attack me for being divisive here. I'm simply highlighting the fact that that's actually happening. That's an actual thing. So again, the female student, bless her heart, for doing what she did and having the handcuffs on them, because apparently having handcuffs on you is some badge of courage these days. The simple question I have is, where is she now? Is she homeschooling now? Is she coming to the realization, and has she come to the realization that the entire thing 
and when I say thing, I mean American K-12 education is a charade that for the most part in the public school realm, American public education is simply a charade because now is she home surrounded by books where she can actually read at her own discretion and her own time with her own mind without all of the distractions of, you know, wearing a mask and being treated like a sheep and having to put on handcuffs because you want to walk into a school and attempt to learn, knowing full well that they're not going to allow you to do that because you're going to be the only person not wearing a mask. And they can't have that because everybody has to live the lie. We can't have one person living the truth. You see what I mean? These schools have to keep the lie going. They can't have one person expose the lie. But again, when stories like hers pop up, where is she now? That's the question I have. Was it all for clicks? Was it all for attention? Where, you know, what is she doing now? I'd like to know. And I hope, my, I pray, that she's homeschooling. And that her father and mother have said, wait a minute, she's old enough to read. She doesn't need to be here. What's going on in these environments is abusive, and it's normalizing that abuse. I don't care how people rationalize it. Rationalizing it doesn't make it less true. So where is she? Again, I hope she's homeschooling. I hope she never goes back to that school. I hope she considers not going to college, and if she does, that maybe it's an online institution where she doesn't have to get jabbed, doesn't have to wear a mask. It is an accredited institution, and she can actually do something with that degree when she's done. So, that's all. When it comes to those things, I just wonder what's the next step. Just like, again, the California teachers walking out on Monday. It clearly wasn't all of them, and it wasn't all of the students. It was a good deal, and it was just right there at the state house. So, what did they do the next day? Did they go back to school? Did they go back just to wear the mask and act like what had happened the previous day didn't happen? Like everything's just going to magically go away when you step on the, stu- uh, you know, on the front stoop of a state house? Shaking a sign at the, you know, as hard as you can and yelling and chanting and singing and whatever. I'm sorry. We're past that now. Something else has to break. Something else has to happen. It's called fortitude. And people have to find it. And they have to have it. And they've got to muster it up somewhere. And then they've got to walk away from these environments permanently. You can't teach an empty building. And you can't abuse an empty building. If the building's empty, Who's, who is there to abuse? Who can they possibly abuse? No one. They can't abuse anybody then. They're just abusing themselves. And they're just lying to themselves. And as we all know, we lie loudest when we lie to ourselves. And they're doing that. And they don't know it. And that continues to be, I think, one of the most disappointing parts and horrific parts about what's actually happening. They're leading themselves to the slaughter. They're picking themselves up by the back of the neck and by the back of the shirt and dragging themselves right in. The people who work in these environments and the people who are maintaining these lies. And it is taking its toll on the innocent. It's always taking its toll on the innocent because, as I said earlier, one of the tactics of the Marxist is very simple, and it's to make everybody around them as miserable as they are. Now, this next thing that I want to mention goes right in line with all of that, and it's a really interesting history lesson. And I looked this up the other day. It was bouncing around Telegram, and I thought I'm going to look up the entire, the entire video series here and, and certainly mention this. 
This comes from culturesocietyblog.com, where all of these particular videos are highlighted. And I'm not going to play the videos on the podcast because some of them are longer and it's just going to take up too much time. But I am going to link this website in the description below so that you can go and watch the vi these videos because they are very, very interesting. But the blog starts off with a, a quote from Carl Jung, and I think it's very apt to say the least. It says, quote, naturally every age thinks that all ages before it were prejudiced, and today we think this more than ever and are just as wrong as all previous ages that thought so. How often we not see the truth condemned. It is sad but unfortunate, unfortunately true that man learns nothing from history, unquote. And again, that's from Carl Jung. So this particular blog was written on March 17th of 2013. But this is, a, this is a blog about a video series that was put out by the Encyclopedia Britannica after World War II. And it's titled this. It's titled Democracy and Despotism, 1940s Encyclopedia Britannica Films. And this is written by Maria Pope Popova, if I'm saying that correctly. It says the following here. And again, it's got the embedded YouTube videos throughout, but I'm just going to read the text in between the videos. It says this. It says, in 1945 and 1946, immediately following the end of World War II, Encyclopedia Britannica's Films Division produced two educational short films, one on democracy and one on despotism, exploring how societies and nations rank on the spectrum from democracy to despotism by measuring the degree to which power is concentrated and respect for individuals restricted. More than half a century later, these analyses remain a compelling metric of social harmony and discord in an era when we're still struggling to understand the, psycho the, the psychology of riots in a global political climate where the tensions between despotism and democracy is in sharper focus than ever. It says next, quote, A community is low on a respect scale if common courtesy is withheld from large groups of people on account of their political attitudes. If people are rude to others because they think their wealth and position gives them that right, or because they don't like the man's race or his religion, equal opportunity for all citizens to develop equal skills is one basis for rating a community on a respect scale. Sharing respect means that each shares the respect of all, not because of his wealth or his religion or his color, but because each is a human being and makes his own contribution to the community. From healing its sick, to collecting its garbage, from managing its railroads, to running its trains. Unquote. Then it says, you might recognize footage from the films which are both in the public domain from Timogen Duran's provocative observations on the distortions of democracy in Market Maketh Man, highly recommended if you haven't already read it. And then it continues, it says, Be careful not to assume that the mere form of government can guard you against despotism. Germany was a republic, and yet a despotic ruler was able to take root, i.e. Hitler. Now again, this is false history, because... <laughs> Because Weimar Germany 
and what was referred to as the Weimar Republic was really the despotic environment before Adolf Hitler showed up. It was really the degenerate environment before Adolf Hitler showed up. In fact, when Adolf Hitler showed up, again, you're not going to read this in a history book in an American K-12 school because they don't want you to know this. But when he showed up, he was interested in the culture of Germany as it was supposed to be from before the Weimar Republic. Because it was the Weimar Republic that was destroying its history. It was the Weimar Republic that was the degenerate environment. That was the one with all of the crime, the prostitution, the perversions, the elimination of statues. Sound familiar? The elimination of 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 um, historically accurate books, the destruction of artwork, you name it. That was really that was really the problem. So he showed up. He cleaned a lot of that up, of course. And then, of course, there were other, you know, terrible things that occurred when individuals lost their homes because they were bombed out by Britain. And I mean, I could go on and on and on here. Um, so you do have to take some of this with a grain of salt, understanding that even some of this is, in fact, propaganda. But they still make excellent points. So the next video here is titled The Respect Scale. And it says this, as a, as a community moves toward despotism, respect is restricted to fewer people, such as resti restricting respect to only members of a small group or one political party. Now, there's a couple of typos in here, but I'm going to do my best to kind of work through it here. It says, a community is becoming despotic, is respect, is withheld from a large group of people on account of their political attitudes, such as persecution because someone is wealthy, of a different race or religion, etc. It says, the ability of every citizen to better themselves and educate themselves is another important measurement of determining the level of respect in society. The opportunity to develop useful skills is important, but not enough as the opportunity to push such skills to use, make a living, for example, is another important measurement on the respect scale. And then the next video is the power scale. It says this scale is useful to determine the citizens' share in making decisions for their community. When decision-making is left in a few hands, or compiled into a huge bill so that there is at least one issue you feel so strongly for that you have to vote for it, even if other aspects of the bill is bad for the community slash country, then you have limited choice and have been tricked. Then the community is moving toward despotism. Today, a community can move toward despotism by allowing power, by allowing power to become concentrated in the hands of a few, i.e. school boards. The test of despotic power is that it can, dis it can disregard the will of the people, i.e. school boards. Despotism can be official and unofficial. The next one is economic distribution. It says, if a, if a community's economic distribution becomes slanted, then it is moving toward despotism. If middle-income groups grow smaller, then despotism has a better chance to gain a foothold. One sign of a move toward a despotic society is the concentration of land in the hands of a few people, i.e. school boards. I've mentioned that in the past, have I not? That school boards are in the property business. That school boards work very hard to scoop up property so that they are the only schools in the surrounding area because the last thing they want 
are private schools or charter schools in their area to siphon students away from them to then be taught somewhere else with less restriction. Again, you can apply school boards to almost all of these examples. It continues, it says, when farmers lose their farms, they lose their independence. In communities that depend on almost a single industry, such as a factory or mine, will have, will have, find, will, will find that maintaining economic balance is a challenging problem. The next one is tax burden. It says, another sign of a poorly balanced economy is a taxation system that presses heaviest on those least able to pay i.e. school boards. See, people are still paying school taxes for a school that's abusing them. Wrap your head around that. My recommendation is simple. Stop paying school taxes. Don't do it. Ever. Don't pay them in pieces and just stop paying them, period. A school tax in particular when you don't attend said school. Even if you do and they're abusing children, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the abuse of children. Wrap your head around that one. It continues, it says larger amounts of a poorer person's income is spent on food, so sales taxes pressed heaviest on the poor and middle class. But wait a minute. I thought Democrats and Marxists loved the middle class. I thought they defended and worked for the middle class all of the time. Eh. Incorrect. They don't. They never have, which is why they always say their name or say their class or they say their particular group, because they love pinning them into a group and then using the name of the group to their advantage while stepping on the throat of the very individuals that they think fit within that subcategory or that category. It's just basic politics. The next thing it says here, and this is the information scale, and this is the last video, which was the one that was bouncing around uh, Telegram with regularity and Gab as well. And I put it out on my Gab too. But again, I'm going to link this entire thing in the description below so you can watch all these videos because apparently all of these videos were standard procedure for people to watch when they were in American schools, which is a good thing, I think. By and large, I mean it's a pretty good thing. It says the following for the information scale video, quote, a community rests low on the information scale when the press slash media is controlled by a few people and when citizens have to accept what they are told. If students are not taught critical thinking skills with a well-rounded education so that they have basic knowledge of history, politics, sophism, economics, etc., then despotism has a good chance of establishing itself. By keeping students unable to think critically, you get adults who can't think critically or have any ability to evaluate facts from lies. These adults will accept whatever their chosen authority source tells them. Unquote. What does that sound like? Isn't it insane? It's absolutely insane. This entire video series, again, was standard procedure in American K-12 schools, teaching people to think, teaching people to question authority, teaching people to question government, i.e. Greek, for mind control, to lead the mind. Standard procedure was to, for them to watch these videos so, again, they could learn to think for themselves. These videos are not going to be shown in American K-12 schools. Now they can't. They can't. 
because it blows up their entire lie. So, again, I recommend giving these videos a watch. Give this uh, blog a read. Very interesting stuff. Excellent, excellent history lesson, I think. And uh, it fits perfectly with what's going on in American schools today and businesses as well and a countless, you know, countless other things. But um, the cat is out of the bag here. The cat's out of the bag. So one last thing I wanted to mention here too is I've been putting together a brief detoxing the jab document and what individuals can do to detox from some of the poisons that exist in the jabs. Dr. Kerry Madej, who again is a part of the Five Docs on Rumble, has been talking about her detoxing methods for quite some time, and she has a website which I link within the document. And then there's two other examples of anecdotal evidence from Americans who have, uh, who have helped to detox, apparently, um, a couple of their family members and some of the methods and nutrients and supplements that are used throughout that process. So what I've done is, is I've attached all of those, everything that I just mentioned, into one PDF, and that does exist now on my website, AmericanEducationFM.com, under the Documents section. Again, these are not my methods, but I do trust Dr. Madej, and she has some interesting methods, which again involve taking baths to, um, to detox the body using baking soda and Clorox bleach and a number of other things. But all the details are listed in there. So again, don't shoot the messenger. Um, it's not They aren't my methods per se, although I will be using her method specifically with the detoxing uh, with a bath, and I'm going to give that a whirl and see what happens. Who knows? Maybe it'll help the old cough. So with that said, check out that detoxing document if you're interested on my website. Check out the videos in the description below. And I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless. <laughs>